Hello, I'm Christine Beste from Reporters Without Borders, and you are listening to the Scene World podcast. Hey, it's the Scene World podcast. I am AJ, I think. That is Jörg over there hanging out in Germany. And if our internet holds out, we can actually get this intro done and out the door. For once. Yes, and you're assuming correctly I'm indeed Jörg. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> um, in a minute, we are talking to Craig Stadler from uh, PDVid. And if you don't know what PDVid is, you will in a minute. And it's actually really uh, a really cool thing. So you should stick around and check that out. Like, like people aren't like, like people only come on to listen to us. Like this isn't, yeah. like this isn't the part of the, part of the podcast that's going to get skipped. Um, we will see. That depends yeah. on the people. Some people listen to our news items. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, before we get to that, we have a couple of pieces of news items, not too much because we have been churning out podcasts like, um, like butter. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, you've got one. I think I've got two. I'm going to actually start with mine and then we'll go to yours and we'll come back to mine because sure. okay. that way we can alternate and it sounds good. Um, good. Uh, the one I've got sitting right in front of me here is that, um, pro division is trying to fund what they call the protopad, which is a multi-button controller pad for the C64. Um, and the key features of this thing are that it's going to be 100% compatible with existing games. Um, you're looking at a directional control pad plus eight buttons. Uh, buttons are predefined, uh, but can be redefined by each individual game that you play. Um, there's a button that emulates up as default so that you don't have to, you know. The one thing that pisses me off like crazy about C64 platformer games is that there's no jump button it's always up up on the joystick well, technically there is because with the c64 gs there actually comes um with it a two yeah. button joystick well i've got for... a, um, um i have a um and i don't know where the hell i put it yeah. i have a controller it's it's on ebay you can get them i highly recommend them they are they look kind of like um, a Nintendo, uh, an old NES controller, you know, but they're they're themed for different things. And I've got the C sixty four one. I'm pretty sure you've got one too. Um, and yeah, but I got the version for the um, NES. I'm afraid. Yeah, I got the I got the C sixty four GS version because that was what was because I wasn't really paying attention. But it, it it's it's actually really cool, and it does map one of those keys, one of those buttons to jump. So you can actually play, like like when they did the Super Mario Brothers game, on the C sixty four, which was it was taken down later on, um, which I totally don't have because you know that would be wrong Illegal. to have that. Um, yeah, but but, but the, as as I as I was told from the Nintendo press, um, PR, Germany department, they will not never talk about retro anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so but either the way, the chance that they that they will listen to this yeah. in in our lifetime is like zero. But yeah, yeah sure, I but, understand but, what you mean. Yeah, it makes it feel like that 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 control pad works like like it feels like you're playing it on the original NES. Um, it also um, this thing that Protovision is doing 
is compatible with games that use the two additional buttons of the DB9 Cheetah Annihilator joysticks, mm. such as Double Dragon, Turbocharge, Paradroid Redux, Robocop 2, and Super Mario Brothers. Um, and, uh, well, the original game it was designed for was Chase HQ 2. Yeah, yeah. That was actually shipped with the GS yeah. um, on a cartridge. Yeah, and it has... CIA protection. You may safely, it may safely be attached or removed during operation. Now that is a bold claim to make. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah anyway, anyway, we'll, put, we'll um, put a link to it, in, and I'll anyway, and some pictures probably too because I got some right here. Anyway, um, Chase HQ usually uses a base key, but since the GS mm -hmm. has no keyboard, they mapped it to the second joystick. Yeah. Uh, button. Right. But the thing is, actually, that um, most joysticks, except that one joystick you mentioned for the GS, yes, um, didn't even didn't even wire the second button properly. Uh -huh. So um, the computer can do it, but for some reason, um, they st stuck with the Atari mapping. Yeah, yeah. So, so they are, um, but so they they're doing that. If you and and the the link to it, which we will put right down there, probably is is the Protovision dot games slash shop slash protopad, um, and it gives you all the features, everything that you need to know, and also how you can donate to it to make it happen, and gives you a protopad hall of fame of people who have donated. Um, yeah, we'll be put it in the podcast description. Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. So that's cool. I I like seeing new things like that because playing a game with I, I never, despite the fact that I am a C sixty four guy, I hate joysticks, and I never, I could never get the 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 hang of using joysticks to play platform games. There are like there are wonderful joysticks. Seriously. There are there um, are there are well made wonderful joysticks. I just. When you're playing a driving game, a joystick does not feel right. Well, I'm having a flight stick that I'm yes. using for yes. test drive and stuff. Yeah, I've gone so far as to I had a joystick, and and with the release of Flight Simulator, I have actually gone and gotten my 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 yoke so that I can actually you know yeah play like I'm really right. flying a plane in my spidery basement. But but we are talking here about Z sixty four equipment. Yes, we are. We are. And I'm talking about a yoke for the Z Z sixty four. Oh my God! Did you have the the zoomer? I don't know it, if it's called zoomer, but I have a yoke for the Z sixty four. It was the the I had the Bishu zoomer, and it was a it was a yoke, it was a flight yoke allegedly for the Z sixty four, and it was the biggest waste of money I ever spent in my life because uh, it was terrible and I know it's pretty unaccurate <laughs> you know it's yeah. well it's, it's I, the problem is again is that it's the C64 is a digital I mean yes I know it has analog it can take analog inputs but most games are digital they want digital inputs so yeah so interesting, it's not interestingly <laughs> yeah yeah, so it's not an issue of like, you know, like a a gentle turn to the right. It's like, you know, you turn that 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 yoke a little bit to the right and it's like, you know, you're you're turning full on, you know, you're 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 diving or you're 
You're you're cranking your wheel all the way to the right. I know. I know. It was um, Yeah, anyway. Um, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, for the Atari, they actually made a flight simulator 2 joystick that was analog. Yeah. But it didn't sell well, so I never found it on eBay hmm. in my 12 years of using eBay. And um also there was the, interestingly there is a game and that's refs the formula one simulator on the c64 that only worked with keyboard mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the one i have yes that's the, that's um, what i had too yeah the zoomer uh, and and uh, refs only works with keyboard or with analog joystick so that means in the 80s when this game was released there must have been analog joysticks for yeah. the c64 mm -hmm. but people didn't buy them right right because um and there's a second um and there's a second um game that supports um everything mm -hmm. like uh light pan that's what I, why, why i have a light pan for one game and it's actually called shadow is... fire Oh, I was gonna say, what is that? What is that game? But yeah, Shadow, Shadow Fire. Fire. Okay. Shadow Fire, and Shadow Fire supports everything. They support analog joysticks, digital joysticks, mouse, light, light pan. <laughs> Interesting. But, but, but if I had, if I had a wish, what kind of controller I would like to have for the C64? I would love to own the CMD trackpad. Trackpad. CMD trackball, 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 trackball. Really? The CMD trackball. That really? would be something I really would like to own. Huh? Did they? CMD made a trackball. Yeah, that's really that's really. If I I I would rather have this than um than uh, the gamepad. Really? Huh? Yeah. Well, what would you do? I mean, okay, so the trackball obviously would be a mouse alternative. But what else would you do with it? Like, like, what could you? Well, I could use lemmings for it, for example. I have a mouse, and yeah, the only yeah. use I have for it is actually um, lemmings. That's what I'm using it for. Okay. No, no geos. I didn't use there, geos there was, in the 22 years. There was also a, a Wicco command control trackball. It says that I'm looking here. Although I don't see a picture of it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, the trackball is pretty pretty neat. Yeah, it, that's one of those things that that the trackball is a fascinating concept that that was popular for a short time and then vanished in favor of of honestly no no actually I would say it fell out of favor in in uh. It fell out of use in favor of the trackpad because um, you had the mouse and some people use trackballs, but early laptops actually incorporated trackballs into the laptop instead of having a mouse, if you recall. Especially well, Apple. Anyway, Apple did that. Anyway, um, there are still tons of tr trackballs from Logitech. I know of one from Logitech. No, there, there are there are there are tons. Huh. For example, there is um, 
if if you look on the internet, for example, there is this Logitech M five hundred seventy Trackman Trackball. Then there is this Trackman Marble from Trackball uh, from from Logitech. Then the, the, then there is the Logitech MX Ergo, mm -hmm. which is a Trackball. I used to have the uh, the M five seventy. It was slightly um, yeah. I had I had yeah. that. I liked that a lot. That was my I enjoyed that that trackball. And it's 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 actually used a lot by handicapped people. Yeah, that's have spastics in their hands and stuff, so they can't actually use a mouse. Well, the only way they can use something alternative is a trackball. Yeah, it's also good for um, people without much desk space where moving a mouse around would be a pain in the ass. Right. So, yeah, Logitech in yeah. some, some um, models. Logitech, we love you. Send us some trackballs. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would use one. I would use one. Because I, I, I actually like oh, them. Oh, gosh. Um, in in preferred i prefer them over mice um anyway we're getting sidetracked really badly right so let's not do right. that okay so my piece of news is um the digital retro park drp the museum in offenbach that we mm -hmm. also had an interview with and they did a ritual tour through the museum with us yes yes a couple of months ago they also doing a spreadsheet uh, campaign now so you can rescue the museum if you so, want to pay a t-shirt and we should we should we should clarify for our listeners spreadshirt is the name of the campaign it's not because because i no, got it's confused the name of the platform yeah that is okay okay there you go name of, the, name of the platform because, because i got confused and i was like you mean a t-shirt or a sweatshirt so so no it's it's a spread shirt that is the camp campaign that they're running to say to make to no to bring up it's the, the platform that yes. allows you to run t-shirt campaigns yes yes it's that, like that's... saying amazon is a campaign no it's not well it's a it's a platform that okay. allows you to run campaigns okay. for uh, t-shirt printing yes yeah okay okay cool um and we will put a link just to like in america to... you have your coffee coffee press cafe press yeah yeah Okay, awesome. That is that that is cool. We should all, everyone should should do that because museums. We're seeing. We've talked to, you know, Digital Retro Park, and we talked. We just talked to the maid, um, and we've talked to for amusement only, and especially now, as we're and you forgot the Yandex Computer Museum Yandex in Moscow Museum, and the Bolo yes. Museum. Yes, yes, in, in the French Bolo. part of Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, uh, and especially now, in the ninth decade of covid um you know it, these places are really falling on incredibly hard times trying to stay afloat with you know with with nobody coming out and have being forced to close down or or at least severely limit the amount of people that can actually be in a building um so they need all the help that they can get and when when this is all over and we're allowed to go outside and interact with other human beings again. Um, I want to be able to go to a computer museum and see this stuff. And I don't want, I don't want the landscape to be fundamentally altered as far as um, 
that sort of, you know, you, you know, pre preservation of this stuff. I don't want to come out of COVID and have one of the casualties of COVID being the fact that that all this stuff has been lost because well, cinemas might be dead too. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. That's something I'm not too. I I, I don't mind that so much. I'm perfectly happy. I do. I do. Stream. I love. I love going to 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 the to the cinema and watch a movie in the cinema seat and especially if you have something like 3d mm -hmm. because i don't see the i don't see the way i don't have enough space for a big 3d tv but doesn't the 3d doesn't bother you no 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 oh, i can't i can't watch it it may, gives me a headache well no for me it's fine so oh. and and i mean the best thing some years ago i was on a 3d rumble seat yeah, watching the English original of the Star Wars movie on Christmas Day, though the twenty fifth, in English original, that was like the best thing ever. See. Was one of the most expensive cinema tickets I've ever bought. I think it was like twenty five euros or something, but mm -hmm. it was totally worth it. Now see stuff like that, like like yeah, Star Wars, so, something important, like 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 something big, like Star Wars. Absolutely, I want to see it in a theater. But for most other movies, I am perfectly happy to stream it and not. And they they are doing that a lot. You know, Wonder Woman eighty four is being released in cinema and streaming at the same time. Mm. So I'm granted you're paying like twenty five bucks to stream it, but I would you know. I would gladly pay that rather than go sit next to some coughing idiot in a theater right now. Well, well, I mean, um, since Friday, we have a massive lockdown. You are not allowed to leave your home after 9 p.m. Yes. Until yeah. 5 a.m. It's because, you know, so it's, so it's, it's not it's not even possible to to go doing errands. Uh, errands yeah, or, or yeah. going to you know the parcel package can... machine or you know you are not allowed to go outside yeah. past nine. We can we can still do we can still go out here, but it's it's they've restricted the amount of people that can be in certain areas, and it's only with the with the holidays coming and the amount of traveling people are doing. Um, Again, you, you know, I don't know if our listeners are aware that I work in, in that I, I am essential personnel, so I still have to go to work through all of this. And the amount of people that I saw on American Thanksgiving uh, a couple of weeks ago was ridiculous. I know. The same is happening now with Chinese New Year. Yeah. People, people never learned to, well, to not meet people <laughs> it's just a consideration for other people i mean you know and then and now there are people that i know that that are now they have they now have covid because you know oh they tested positive a couple of days after thanksgiving oh yeah and you were with your whole family two days before that you know because what you is couldn't, the price yeah and but you know and now it's it's a possibility that you've given your whole family covid because you couldn't stay in and make mashed potatoes in your own damn house for one year, you know. And, like the, it's just... pro and the problem is, 
your your elderly grandparents or yes. parents yes. as well could die from from yeah. your own mistake. That's right. That's that's, that's right. Amazing. That's know? right. That's and, that's and you know and and you have bullshit people that are saying like those people would have died anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps of a heart attack or something, but not because of COVID. That's yeah, stupid. They're they're I mean, old. I mean, anyway, they don't need help. They don't need help you know, dying. You know the thing is thing is even if I'm ninety. COVID should not be the reason for anybody Correct. to die because Correct. it was avoidable. Correct. Yes. You know, the reason to say he was 90 anyway, so he wouldn't have died in the la- in the he would have died in the next 5 years. That's not up mm-hmm. to you to mm-hmm. decide. Right. Exactly. But exactly. The reason to die because of something you could have been avoided, that's like so so bad. Right. So so right. bad. And right. the thing is, it doesn't help you if you are rich, um, and if your body mm-hmm. can't handle it, it can't handle it. Right. The best medicine doesn't help, you know. I know. And, I know. And I know. honestly, honestly, I don't know how it is in America, but here in Europe, the uh, the first country that actually granted an emergency um, cert- certificate to use the vac- vaccine is Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why uh, why the EU is saying, "Oh, we are making a decision on December 30th." Why why do we have to wait? Yeah, because it's not secure. Yeah, what is what is more secure? Trying a vaccine that is perhaps not 100% functioning, or risking your life going on with this situation yeah, right, right now. Right, right. That's like, ooh. Yeah. and then. Of course, you have tons of people telling you, oh, I don't want to be among the first. I want to vi- wait five years. Don't, oh, yeah, don't, sure. don't even wait get me started. Years. Don't even get me started. The amount of freaking texts I have from people telling telling me like, like, like oh, I'm not going to be, I'm not, they're asking me because, because in my line of work, I would be one of the first people to, to um, get the vaccine because I work with, you know, people in, in healthcare. And I know so many people that are willing to quit their jobs rather than get a vaccine that could save the lives of them and their loved ones. And it's like, I just, I can't fathom the stupidity of people. And I, it just. Yes, granted, it's a new vaccine, a new kind of vaccine that has never been used before. But hey, we have, we, we need to have this problem now. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like having a heart attack. But your doctor says, oh, let's wait till the heart attack gets stronger to see if it kills you or not. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> then you would also not say, oh, doctor, don't make a massage to my heart. Let, let, let it damage a bit more. That, that's, yeah, it, no, it's like, it's, like, it's like having a heart attack. Where one of your like your your one of your 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 aorta is blocked or completely you know blocked off or something and being like you know like like I don't no don't don't do the surgery to fit to, to save my life because because you it know could kill you yeah because yeah exactly because it could kill you yeah that's part of the risk but you know what it's better than fucking dying it's like you have a hundred percent chance of dying or a five percent chance of you know having get, getting getting diarrhea it's like yeah I'll, I'll 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 take the diarrhea thanks yeah and and i i mean and, and 
people are like like my my uh, like uh, yeah uh, people that I I know working working in in um, you know in healthcare they are telling me that mm-hmm. and that's like aren't you responsible for so many people it shouldn't yeah. you also think about other people yes, yeah but I'm should. but I'm I'm not aware of the side I'm I'm um, fearing the side effects yeah right. So yeah, yeah anyway, no, I'll take yeah. the side effects. You know, COVID, right? yeah, the yeah. side effects may suck, but you know what sucks more? Dying. Mm. So yeah. yeah, I'll take the side effects over over dying. We need to get back on track because I, we're getting. I'm I'm getting sure. I'm getting angry, and I don't, I I don't like I, I don't like that yeah, doing sure. that. Yeah, sure. um, all because of museum. Yes. Anyway, well, no, 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 no. All because of stupid got... people and and whatnot. But yes, we're we're gonna put a link to where you could support the museum, and you should definitely support the museum, because right. because I, these things need to they 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 need to exist and continue existing even after, you know, the COVID is over. If if this anyway, ever ends, the first thing I will do after COVID is over is going to a cinema. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to see the new Sonic movie in March. For my birthday, but my birthday week was exactly the week they started the first lockdown. First thing I'm going to do after after COVID is I'm going to hug my grandma because I. If you I are able contact, to, if she, if she got vaccinated as well. Well, I would be the one getting the vaccine. So. Yeah, but but still. Mean that you can't infect other people that didn't that, have the vaccine. That is true. That is true. I also get tested. Uh, you, I don't know if anyone can notice, but my voice is nasalier than normal because I am tested constantly, and it the human body has not been made is is not made to have things stuck up your nose this many times. Mm. I've got these bags under my eyes, like like this is just it's it's not. I'll put it. I'll put a picture of me. That 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 I actually I can I can show you a video of of me. Getting I'm not test. sure I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe we could put that in the uh, in in the video when you. Edit I'm it. not sure I want to have that in the video. It's pretty. Anyway, fun. let's um, go anyway, on. Getting seconds. on with this. Um. So, um. Other piece of news I have here is that there is a new game, um. By Control Alt Development. Um, it's a Vic Twenty game um, called Overthrown, um, and the the tagline is "Escape to your presidential retirement or die trying." A dark Ooh. action game for the Vic Twenty. Dark. And, yes, and it's um, from what I gather, it, it's sort of um, it's a cartridge. It is homemade, um, and looks looks interesting. Um, I I saw it talked about um, it kind of like it's a dystopian sort of thing, and and kind of like it has it has has Grand Theft Auto vibes to it, despite nice. being a Vic Twenty. So. A Vic Twenty game, so um, check it out. It's downloadable right now. There's a um, um, you can you can download it that's it's as a cartridge image, or you can actually um, purchase the physical cartridge, um, 
where I, I don't see a price on it. I just see the guy just says, email me if you want one. So we'll hmm. put a link to his website where nice. you can do that. Um, Since I have a Twig 20 Mini, perhaps I should download it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Twig 20 Maxi, I want to yes, say. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, the Big Maxi. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The Big 20 Maxi. Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. So send yep. me the link to that. Yes, uh, put I will it in do in that. the podcast description. Yeah, I will nice. send you all the links. Alrighty. I will send you everything you need for this. Okay. Yeah. Time for search engines. Woohoo. Well, for PDVid, which is a PDVid. search engine, but they don't know that yet because we haven't gotten into it. So. Oh, they know it. Uh, yes. So let's go talk to. Yeah. Frank Sadler. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Um, we have another guest today, and it would be Craig J. Stadler. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Good. And we are talking actually today about a video search engine, right? Right. I guess you better explain it yourself. Sure. So uh, everybody knows that uh, you know YouTube is kind of king of the hill right now. Uh, but uh, and they have been for quite some time. But there's a lot of other video providers out there that aren't necessarily given focus or given attention as kind of additional resources, you know, when you're searching for videos on the internet. And one of the things I noticed probably about a year and a half ago was that there were not only a lot of these places that were before like Daily Motion and Vimeo and Vio and Meta Cafe, all these places, they still exist. Uh, but they're not as easily found unless they're directly shared. So if you go to a video search engine like Google Video or Bing or, you know, DuckDuckGo or any of those places, when you search for a video, largely all you're going to get is YouTube for the most part. And so I thought to myself, you know, what if I made a video search engine, because I've been making search engines for quite a while now, uh, that focuses primarily on the resources other than YouTube? And that's kind of where the idea started. Uh, I was thinking, you know, there's all these places. Why not make a search engine that caters to stuff that's not on YouTube or that, you know, you can find in other languages or other places or... So as things rolled out, the more research that I did, I found new places that were coming out, like uh, that had been out, like uh, BitChute, for example, that's an alternative uh, uploading service to uh, YouTube that's less censored and that kind of thing. And um, then there's a new, uh, new-ish uh, social network called Minds uh, that mm -hmm. exists that they carry videos to as well. And there's another one called Brighteon and just a bunch of these new ones. And so it really made my idea valuable to me because I was like, you know what, not only can they find you know, these other platforms that have existed, but these brand new ones that probably people don't even know about. So that's really where the search engine idea came from. And then various ideas on top of that, obviously. So you said you doing this since many years already. So how did it all started? Uh, sure. Well, I've been a programmer for about 40 years now. I started when I was about 10 years old on an Atari 800. Mm. Maybe technically it was an Atari 400. <laughs> uh, you know, back in the day, yeah, uh, I, you know, around 1980, I'm guessing or so around there. And, uh, long story short, my friend at, at that time, that Christmas got a computer, his parents got him a computer, hoping he would start, you know, programming and stuff. Cause it was a big thing like back then for, uh, parents to encourage their kids to actually use uh, computers for non gaming and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he didn't, he was not interested in being a programmer at all, but I found it fascinating and it blew my mind. And that started me on my journey of being a programmer for, like I said, about 40 years now. And so that's really what started me 
uh, on that path. And of course, that movie Tron came out at the time, uh, which oh, yeah. completely blew my mind as well and made me want to be a programmer and have my own company and make my own software and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. at the age of about 10 or 11, I'm guessing. Maybe 11. MCP. Yeah. Master and, uh, control program. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, more recently, probably in the last 15 years, um, I was on a job and we were tasked with having someone come in to build an underlying like search architecture for the site that we were working on. And, you know, a lot of sites have search engines underneath them. Uh, Amazon has one. Lots of e-commerce places do. It's not necessarily just Google or Bing and things like that. Um, Search architecture is under a lot of things that we use on the Internet. So we had this contractor come in. He did his work. He was extremely expensive. This was about 15 years ago. He was about $250 an hour, which is U.S. dollars, which is that's very expensive for an engineer back then, especially. Yeah. And so he came in, he did his job and they said, "Okay, well, here's the deal. We, We don't have enough money to like really keep this guy on board. But what we'd like you to do is have a question and answer with this guy and just learn from him and we'll just get you to do it. And I said, well, yeah, that's that sounds great. I'm interested in picking up a new skill, and it's kind of fascinating to me. And um, the architecture was called uh, Apache Solar, which is a very common uh, open source thing or whatever uh, for building search engines and search, search architecture. And so the more I learned about it, uh, the more interested I got in doing it further and you know, just kept working on more contracts and more jobs and that kind of thing and kind of fell into it and enjoyed it and just kept doing it. Now I've been doing that for about 15 years. So what is your search engine called, actually? Okay, so the search engine itself has a really kind of interesting, funny uh, story behind it really quick, I'll tell you. So sure. I made I had the idea for to make the search engine, and I'm like, well, I'm going to start out with a really small goal, just a couple of handful of video providers, maybe 10 million videos or so, just something that I could do a proof of concept with and then get it in front of some people and see how they like it. So I came up with, you know, the, the code and the front end and that kind of thing, and Then I'm like, well, what am I going to call this thing? Because I have to buy a domain and there's branding, you know, issues, all that stuff. Couldn't come up with a name. I spent probably three or four days and everything that I could come up with was either used for a different product on the Internet, you know, maybe a cosmetic thing or whatever. You know, sometimes it's difficult coming up with even a band name, let alone a product. Yeah. And um, or had been or the name I came up with had been squatted, which means somebody bought the domain and they were sitting on it. Hopefully, hoping that somebody would, you know, pay thousands of dollars for it later on. So I was stuck. Oh, we had that too. We had <laughs> yeah. that too. Yeah, four thousand euros. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yep. We've we we were seeing the same thing about like two thousand US dollars plus. Yeah, and so um, you know, being the fact that I didn't know if the product was even going to work or how it was going to do, I didn't want to spend all this money on a domain kind of thing. So I gave up, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to let this go. I'm sure it'll come to me, I don't know, when I'm taking a shower, some some weird time when I'm not thinking about it. That that happens sometimes, you know. And so I'm sitting there a few days later, whatever it was, and uh, my cat was walking by, wanted to give me some attention, some affection, whatever. And my cat is named uh, Petey, P-E-T-E-Y. It's a nickname for Pete or Peter kind of thing here in the United States and I'm sure other places too. Um, and so he was hanging out, just that kind of thing. And he's uh, or- he's an orange cat. Uh, tabby, I guess it would be. And um, I was thinking, well, this is pretty simple. I mean, why not use him as the mascot for the website? People like cats and they like mascots. And I knew a professional artist who did uh, caricatures and cartoon forms of like real people and stuff like that. So I called him up and I'm like, hey, will you make a logo of my cat? Uh, I'll give you a picture. 
and I'll just call this uh, PD vid for short, uh, you know, PD short for Peter yeah. and vid for video and uh, branded after him, my cat. And sure enough, no one had ever used the term PD vid on the internet. Obviously it's way too specific. <laughs> so that worked in my favor that I could do some, you know, some really easy branding that way that if people knew the name and they typed it in, that's the only thing they would get kind yeah. of thing. Plus, plus yeah. about 90% of the videos on the internet are cat videos. People do really like those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So that yeah. yeah. That's There's even a, I, new, yeah. a new a new category called cat content now. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, there is. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, um, actually, you could also use you know like DuckDuckGo, who's but that is actually um a child song or something like that. That would have uh, been another possibility. No, actually, the the the. the the children's game was never Duck Duck Go. I don't recall that. It was Duck it Duck was, Goose. That's correct. Yeah. That ah. is. Yeah. Okay, I'm not American. I, I yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. That, I mean, it could be that could be where they got the idea for the name. Yeah, I, yeah. I read that on Wikipedia. I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But but here's the problem. I mean, we spoke a bit earlier um, prior prior to this interview, and we discussed about the main problem is that they took 12 years to get known right so you have to be creative uh, working around this problem yourself why should people suddenly get aware of you mm. right no that was that was a really good question we were having that discussion about i think things have changed obviously in the course of the internet um we're on much shorter timelines i think right now of maybe product lifespans and things like that unless you're extremely established and that kind of thing as far as people uh uh grabbing onto it and going with it and that kind of thing. And obviously there's concerns of being able to finance something long enough for that to happen. And, you know, I think it took YouTube, I'm probably speaking out of turn, but it took YouTube more than I'm guessing like 10 years for them to become profitable and oh, yeah. those kinds of things. And uh, so in the conversation you were saying, you know, it it's, has taken some of these companies this long to be successful and get traction. Um, what are you planning to do to kind of shorten that timeline? And you're right, I don't want to wait 10 or 12 years kind of thing. And to me, 10 or 12 years at this point on the Internet looks very different than it did maybe 10 years ago, where things moved a bit a bit slower, I think. Um, so to answer your question, um, we've, I guess I would say I, um, have written out like kind of six-month goals of like who to try to, to talk to and to approach and that kind of thing. Our initial goal was to just get out there, just to kind of be in the game, so to speak. Right. Um, and, and then it was to contact um, journalists and bloggers, and then it was to contact librarians. And so we're getting like more and more specific about who the groups are that we're trying to, to get awareness to. And then that turned into podcasters, which is you know part of the, the reaching out to you guys and some other folks that have done. Um, and now we're at the point of trying to talk to specifically um, journalists and writers who deal with specific subjects. So we're talking to people that talk specifically about censorship and privacy and uh, bias issues and these types of things. Maybe, you know, people that have written articles about people being uh, upset about YouTube demonetization or anti-Google sentiment or Google alternatives or these kinds of things. So we've gotten more and more specific about who we're trying to talk to because we know that they'll have a, re a ready audience, kind of so mm -hmm. to speak. That phrase, you can't be everything to everybody. We're taking that like very seriously at this point and trying to get more specific. Yeah. 
Interestingly, I wa it was already useful for us because I was typing in ourselves and mm -hmm. suddenly I found somebody was stealing and, and re-editing um, um, the um, um, Jerry Ellsworth video interview we did like um, six years ago and considered <laughs> it like re-upload as like our original video was down or something, which of course is BS. We, we right. never removed anything yeah. from YouTube ourselves or something. So um, it was actually helpful. So I could write to Daily, Mo uh, Daily Moon and they... Daily um, Motion. D Daily Motion, right, thank you. And, and they fixed, they removed it within uh, one hour, 3 a.m. in the night. Wow. So that was pretty fast. Um, especially considering it's in France, so sure. Um, um, so and and I remember you were totally hyped when I told you about this. Like, well, this is a use case we didn't consider. Absolutely, yeah. Those those are always really great to hear about when someone finds value in your product in kind of an unexpected way. That mm -hmm. kind of you know I'm I'm starting to consider like that realm of things. I'm not exa exactly sure how to approach it, but knowing that it can possibly be used for that for uh, someone using maybe a brand without permission or editing something without permission or claiming that they own it or you know, lots of things like that. It's definitely a possibility. So maybe reaching out to companies that already deal with uh, you know rights management and things like that to offer that to them in some way in a business right. manner might be something we could look into. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing I was a bit shocked about was the kind of mit misuse of our video. I mean, it wasn't just like edited. I was totally removed. <clears throat> Jerry Ellsworth was zoomed in. So it was totally like oh, feminized, okay. you know, like, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's not... That's not the way I want our interview videos to to appear on the internet, you know. Sure. Um, so uh, that that was really weird. And I think HA, you said it was mirrored, so it wouldn't. No, no, I, I said that. I, there's a lot of stuff. Daily Motion is one of those sites where you find a lot of kind of bootleg videos on, and a lot of times it'll be TV shows that are just kind of they mirror the video. Yeah, mirror. And that way it doesn't it doesn't you know get picked up by. Um, oh. You know, That'd by right, the, the yeah. rights management stuff. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know so, that they did that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll so, see that uh, a lot. And <laughs> the credits come on, and it's all you know backwards and stuff. And okay, or, yeah, or they'll so. or they'll desync the video a little, the audio a little bit. So so it's like it's just off. And again, it's just so that like it doesn't quite meet, like it doesn't match like the searches. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they did that too. So actually, the quality of this re-upload was totally worse <clears throat> than what we originally uploaded ourselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks to thanks to your search engine, I actually could find it and remove it. That was quite nice. Cool. And, and also it's one of the few search engines that actually covers archive.org too. Um, right. Yeah, that was a, there was definitely consideration there in that because the goal is to essentially give people the ability to find things, whatever it is that they want, no matter where it exists. We had to cover every possible place that we could think of. And in doing that, obviously covering the, the Internet Archive was important. But even beyond that, we found out that the Wayback Machine had been storing copies of YouTube videos all the way back from when they started. 
which mm-hmm. means you can actually go on the Wayback Machine and watch YouTube videos. Not always, but um, for whatever they've saved. So we actually wrote, I wrote some code that would actually figure out what videos the Wayback Machine had that were playable that don't exist on YouTube anymore and allow people to search for them inside of PDVid specifically and go over to the, the Wayback Machine and watch them as they existed in that year, whether it was you know 2006 or you know that kind of thing. Um, that must have been horrible yeah. to implement. It, it, the code didn't take that long to write. It was running it to to kind of get, first of all, get an inventory of all the videos, video IDs that exist on the Internet Archive from the inception, inception of YouTube until last year. You know, get a list of all those video IDs and then ping them against YouTube to find out what which ones exist or not. That process probably took, I want to say, about three months with, mm. uh, with a handful of machines, with at least four machines kind of thing. Um, and then reconciling them and getting that video data. It was totally worth it, though, obviously, because having the ability to to find things that don't exist on YouTube for whatever reason, it doesn't have to be for bad reasons or that kind of thing. But if we're going to base, basically be offering a, a video search engine that's really robust and has a lot in it, we have to offer everything that we can think of. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, we actually had Jason Scott from... Um, the Internet Archive once as an interview, mm-hmm. and um, the the big problem the Archive seems to have is like um, organizing searches. So this is, um, so, uh, sometimes I could find things easier using your search engine than the own search engine of archive.org, so I find right. this quite quite interesting, though this implementation is pretty good. Um, I, I wonder, I wonder as you target um, specifically YouTube and Google as um, a competitor, didn't they say something about it, or did they even notice that you used their uh, search results too? Or do well, you just do, use an AP or API? We yeah, we don't use anything in relation to Google. Um, we don't use their video results. All the, everything that we do is completely independent and outside of what Google does. Um, we don't even use their AdSense. We don't use their tracking. We don't use anything. And it's not because we hate Google or anything. It's just that we know that because uh, the search engine is framed as a privacy-conscious search engine in the same way that maybe Ecosia or uh, search encrypt or DuckDuckGo, same kind of thing. Like they, we don't save user data, we don't have tracking cookies that are invasive or anything like that. We have to make sure that we're very, very careful with the components that we choose to use on the site, um, because you know a user, if they found that out, would obviously be very upset, thinking like, "Hey, you guys said that you were private, and that you were, you know, paying attention to like how my data was being shared and saved, but then I found this component that's, you know." That's against that. So we have to be really careful about that. And there's things that I wish that we could do on the site, but we just, you know, we have to be very careful about. So mm. Mm. it is a limitation, but we think it's for good reasons. So now you focus on video. Do you have plans to also maybe allow the same for, for music, books, or whatever media? Or would that be too much go into general search engines and you want to stay in your little realm <laughs> being very specific? Um, I'm not against an idea like that. It just seems like the current climate for what it is and, um, you know, people have their various reasons about being upset with uh, the concentration of power in the 
big tech companies, um, one of the things that we found a discrepancy of is, you know, variance of results when it comes to video. And so that's really the only focus that we have right now is not really competing with like YouTube because we don't allow we don't allow people to upload videos, so we're not an upload service, but giving people the opportunity to genuinely find whatever it is they, that they want, like I said, no matter where that it is, and not be partial to YouTube and not be partial to any particular vendor, um, I think is really where the, the, the value of the product is. Right. Which is kind of how the internet used to be, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it started actually, if I remember correctly, like a catalog. That was before internet search engines, actually. Before you had catalogs like Yahoo categories or Alta Vista categories, the search right. engines actually came later in the history right. of the internet. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, a long story short, uh, and this kind of shows that the amount of time I've spent experience-wise. I think it was like 1990 or 1991 when I was attending the University um, at Georgia State in Atlanta, Georgia, here in the United States. Um, I was teaching um, in my junior year, I think, um, introduction to the internet to graduate students, and there was no web. It was all Telnet, basically, where you would go in with a terminal and it was all pure text, similar to like BBSs and that kind of thing. So that was my kind of introduction to the internet was, you know, purely text, no browsers, no, you know, it was all straight text terminal stuff. Um, and then, of course, I got to see like Mosaic come out and all that kind of stuff and all the uh, portal based uh you know, resources like what you're talking about a few years later, that kind of thing. And obviously AOL trying to branch their dial up into the internet and all that kind of stuff. It's been interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of incentive for a, a lot of these other engines, um, such as like, like Google, for instance, you mentioned, you know, one of the main things you see is YouTube because, you know, Google and YouTube are, it's the same thing. So their, 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 their incentive is to show, their own brand first and everything after. So having some place and that, and that goes for a lot of these places where like they have like a deal with some place or, or, you know, when you look at it, you tend to see the most obvious, you know, the, what's popular right High now. End, and yeah. you don't, yeah. And you don't see yeah. the other. Now I just did a search on, on, on your site for stuff and YouTube was not even in the first page, which is, you know, great because it showed a bunch of other stuff that I didn't even know existed. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the idea. And, you know, to, to, to the, to your point, um, I don't really know how I feel about like what it is that's going on and, and why it's happening. I just know that it is, um, part of my theory of someone said to me, like, why do you think this is happening? I think what you're saying is entirely possible. There could be something within the algorithm that's made, that's making it go that way because they own that property. I think daily motion actually sued them and lost a case for that very reason, because they claim that they were doing that. Um, I think that that's certainly possible, but my theory is if you have a really big bag and the bag has 10 million pennies in it, right? And it has a hundred thousand dimes, maybe if you reach into that bag and you grab, you're probably going to get mostly pennies, if not all pennies. Yeah. Just sheer numbers game alone. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that tends to be what I think is going on. Because there's so much YouTube content because they've been working it so hard and they've got such the majority of the marketplace content-wise. Um, I think that that's more of what's happening. Or it could be a combination of both. Um, 
but yeah, that's, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. So we had to think about that and being like, oh, so if there's this much data out there uh, of, of YouTube video, how do we kind of level the playing field? Hmm. And part of it was like, get as much data as possible from these other providers and then use some kind of means uh, to decide how much YouTube content actually gets in to kind of even it all out. And that's what we did. Can't exactly say how, but... That's the general idea is, like I said, to level that playing field to give people a true, uh, you know, I right. want to say non, non-biased experience if possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now comparing it to other search engines, I wonder, I mean, for example, DuckDuckGo is now... Um, you know, promoting itself in other browsers and so on. Right. And I guess that would be very difficult to do for you as you are only a video search engine or only. Why? I don't want, I don't, yeah, hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if people would, wouldn't prefer a general search engine. I just, just wonder. Not if I'm looking um, for videos. I'd rather have something that was tailor-made for, for me personally, anyway. I'd rather have something that was tailor-made for what I'm searching for rather than just, you know, an option on another site. Yeah, it can kind of go both ways. I think the the difficulty in getting into a browser play like what you're talking about is exactly that. Uh, you know, most people don't make their default search engine startup a video search engine or a travel search engine or that kind of thing. And, and to, to your effect, the, the other point, too, is when somebody does want to book a trip, I think they typically do go to like either an airlines or, a, you know, a search engine like Kayak or something that's specifically for travel rather than going to Google. So, I mean, I kind of understand, you know, both points. But um, the other thing, too, as well, is I wanted to bring this up. That's really interesting to me is that um, DuckDuckGo is actually powered by Bing. So I watched a video the other day that were talking about how Ecosia and Search Encrypt and these other places have offered like the, you know, the privacy angle on top of it. But really the search engine underneath it's being used that's powering it is either by Google or Bing. So they seem to be the only places that are left that are, I mean, I'm, I think that Yahoo has their own index. I'm pretty sure they do. I'm not positive. But, you know, um, the, the, the brilliance of what DuckDuckGo has done, I think, is just taken essentially what Bing has, let them do all the work and then put all the great stuff on top of it so that the user kind of, you know, feels better about their experience and they don't have to say powered by Bing. They don't have to say that kind of thing. Um, right. Pretty interesting. Whereas we built everything and we own everything from the ground up because there was just no other way kind of thing because, you know, everybody another, else is kind of just YouTube. So, yeah. Another trick DuckDuckGo is using is um, the company founders act actually active on Quora, you know, mm-hmm. this portal where, where the general public can ask questions, um, all kinds. And he's often jumping in like, hey, there's another search engine, DuckDuckGo, and maybe maybe we are what you're looking for and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. And, I've, and um I, I, I don't know. You don't, uh, I mean, nowadays you have to be reinventing yourself to be um, appearing on the internet, on places right. where people don't expect you. I think that is the, ca- that, that is, um, the key, you know, um, to, to appear on places where people don't expect you, so they might like, try, try like you out. Like the Scene World podcast? 
<laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I do agree with you because, you know, we actually went through several iterations of trying some forms of uh, advertising on different kinds of topics, whether it was like, are you tired of YouTube? Are you tired of censorship? Just a lot of these different types of things. And, uh, you know, Google Ad, uh, AdWords just didn't do that well. It was extremely expensive. The click-through wasn't that great. Um, we took the identical campaign, went over to Bing and did the same thing. It did a little bit better. Um, it was kind of more worth the money, so to speak, but still not completely worth the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was going through a list of like top uh, Google ad competitors, and Quora was on there. And I'm thinking, that's kind of a weird place to advertise. But then my mind was like, wait a minute, if people are already there, they're inquisitive, they're open to learning, that may be a really great place to try to do that. And so we tried the same campaign there, and it, through the roof, did amazing. The cost per click were like two cents. And the click-through, the click-through rates were in like 70, 80 percentiles. So it did incredibly well. So we were able to get you know, a ton of, of traffic through, through Quora as well. So I understand why uh, Gabriel from DuckDuckGo would be you know, on that medium too as well. Because if you have, the, again, have the right kind of audience that would be m- more readily receptive to what you're doing, it would make, you know, make sense. Right. And the difference is people don't expect you, uh, don't expect on that platform to be hit by advertisement. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I mean, how many, how many people would research who's the guy that answers them? You know, right? Um, probably not, not a lot. You know, I mean, I mean, if you look, what kind of questions are asked there? It's that kind of questions my parents would ask. You know, uh, yeah. Well, people that are computer illiterate uh, or something, <laughs> really. Um. So, so I um. Of course, I don't know. Um, I probably have a target group in your head. Like, um, as AJ said, the specific people that want to look for videos not on YouTube. Uh, we're still trying to figure that out, what that demographic look, looks like. Because we did try going through Facebook and looking at some of the demographics and the, the reporting. And it was kind of all over the place. So that's why at this point, rather than us trying to figure that out and advertise to them... We're going to journalists and groups and, and people that already have an audience kind of thing. And Did plus, I just you know, hear the, Petey? what's that? Did oh, I just I hear Petey? I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, going to groups that already have like an engaged audience that are, and not only that, I think there's a trust factor too. I think there's a difference between um, a listener of your podcast and mm-hmm. somebody that just gets an ad. They're going to be a little bit more apprehensive, I think, about an ad and, oh, God, not another one of these, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think it takes a lot more to get through to a user, just in my opinion, but as through an ad as opposed to through someone who has, like, a trust factor and rapport and is engaged and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think th- that part makes a lot more sense to us to uh, to go after those, you know. Right. And uh, um, speaking about trust and security, as we do this uh, here a lot, um they have other problems like different markets. For example, you know, um, China mm-hmm. or or Russia, who who is now considering having their own uh, private internet. You know, right. Russian internet kind of. So I wonder, what is your approach on on those markets with a lot of censorship? I mean, for example, in those markets, you can't show YouTube um, or different kind of video results at all you know because Hmm. there could be results that is anti-government or stuff or do you do you uh, totally leave that out of your focus 
Dutch markets. Uh, well, okay. So to that effect, I think the only thing that we're doing to try to like embrace or provide for those markets is we use uh, the UTF-8 character set, which encompasses all foreign languages, including emoticons and all that kind of stuff. So we made a decision really early on to make the search engine fully multilingual. Now, I know that the site itself is actually in English, but sometimes, you know, I've hit sites before that were in Chinese. And if there's a box there and there's a button, I'll try it out kind of thing. Or, or use Translate or something like that. Um, so as far as supporting um, other regions, we definitely do do that. And we've definitely taken on providers um, like VK, for example, that's a huge Russian uh, Facebook competitor. Um, and then there's OKRU, OK which is a huge Russian YouTube competitor, uh, those kinds of things. And we found, um, you know, YouTube competitors in all kinds of places, in, in, in Indonesia and um, Iran and... Just so many different places. So our goal, essentially, like kind of tunnel vision, get as much content in as possible so that the user can have the best possible search experience. And then after that, I reached out to several of my friends and said, hey, we think that this is you know, usable in Farsi. Can you try this out? Because I have no idea. I mean, I can copy and paste some Farsi and put it into it, but I don't know if it's accurate or you know, even what I'm searching for at that point. So I had uh, friends test... Uh, the, you know, the, the search engine out probably in about six to eight different languages and everybody was happy with it. So we did do some small focus group testing to make sure that that was the case. And so as far as the censorship angle, um, we rely on the platforms themselves to decide what is allowed and not allowed in those platforms. Aside from that, we do very little filtering when things come into PDVid. The only filtering that we've had to do at all, um, to my knowledge, was VK, because it's Russian, um, they just it seems like they really just don't care if pornography is mixed in with everything else. Mm. And so what we had to do was, you know, write some keyword filtering. And so that before it gets into PDV, there's no stuff of, you know what I mean? It's it wouldn't be illegal here, but certainly pornography has its place outside of like what we're doing and that's all well and good, but to have it mixed in just didn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, kind of thing. So that's the only filtering that we've done. I don't know if you'd call that a bias. It's more so just a choice of, I don't right. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that that's really the only censorship that's going on is whatever the outside platforms decide that they're going to allow on their systems, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, whatever. There's just so many. Um, by the time it gets to us, we believe that they are doing their job to decide whatever that is, and the culmination of all those put together hopefully will give the user a really good, like, broad experience. I think. That's a very honest answer. Thank you. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, so what what are the next stepping stones for you? My, right now you are you are going up and down, interview interviews all over, right? Yeah, there's that, and um, we've been in discussions with um, another. A, a very, very large video provider at this point. Um, mm. You brought up a really, really good point. I can't say who it is right now because we're just finishing like the deal, so to speak. But you brought up a really interesting point. You said um, some PDVid works better for searching Internet Archive stuff than Internet Archive itself. <laughs> well, a company just approached us about two weeks ago and said that very same thing. And they said, your search engine is actually better at searching our stuff than ours. 
and we have no one in-house to actually do this. And because you're an expert at search, you want to work something out. So basically, you can provide and power the searches like on our platform. And their platform gets about 20 to 30 million users a month, which is incredibly huge compared to what we get. And so the win-win situation here is we provide search for them. They don't have to touch it. Everything works great. And then what they do is provide, uh, you know, kind of a seal of approval on us saying Mm -hmm. like PDVid is providing our search. These guys are cool. Go visit them. And they provide a link right back to our site because we search all these different platforms. So it's kind of a really great like win-win situation. We're getting everything in place, all the codes written, and we're actually testing it this week. And we'll Mm -hmm. be making a pretty major announcement about that. So uh, it's, it's interesting you bring up that point because I think I'd like to do more of those. Once we can get one of these done, we could maybe start going and talking to other providers and saying, hey, why don't we work together? We're really good at providing search in, you know, infrastructure. We'll do this for you, and you can offload that to us, no extra cost, and we'll benefit from each other's you know, relationship. Yeah. And we'll benefit from their user base, obviously, and that kind of traffic without actually having to pay for it. And then they don't have to pay for an engineer or servers or any of that stuff. So. Well, um, yeah, I just I just brought it up because when we did when we did this interview with um, the Internet Archive, right. um, we had this topic of um, using something that is already there and modifying it or doing something from ground up. I think the example was the the Vice C64 emulator. We just we just approached the coder who did the JavaScript. Uh, um, uh, version of it and and asked if he could modify it for us and uh, and and the internet archive said no we actually took the vice emulator from windows hired a contractor to make um, a browser version out of it so they Mm -hmm. totally did a different approach in like um doing something from ground up ourselves or um versus taking something that's already there and asking somebody to modify it, which is actually the same you explained earlier. DuckDuckGo doesn't have its own search engine, but using Bing underlaying, mm-hmm. while you are using your own search engine from the ground because you coded it yourself. Right. Yep, it just seemed kind of necessary at that point. But yeah, that makes sense. Now, did uh, the Internet Archive actually purchase that a license to that code for the emulator, or was that already open source or something? I think Vice is open source, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah, yeah, Vice is. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting because I see um, I see similarities in in um, problems we had or other interviews we had, and now you say you have a cooperation partner that you can't say who it is, so they would do the exact same thing, having their own search engine. And your code underlaying it, saying powered by your product, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and we would maintain the code base and everything. And basically, they just send us the data feed. We index everything and then provide the search point through the API. And they don't have to maintain anything. So makes and it's good for us, too, because it provides us a direct feed to, like, all of their data, which we know all of our users are going to want. And then we provide them a specific feedback for only their data on their site. So, seems great, yeah. Actually, actually, um, I know that um, that Google, for example, allows you to use 
their own search engine on your homepage. So they would index your homepage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a Google site, Google search, um, Google's, I, I, I always forget the product name. I think it's just called cust custom search or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and um, it's not very good in a way. <laughs> I, I never really liked the output of it. I don't know. I mean, no. the relevance yeah. seemed okay, but the output just seems so like general and not, you couldn't customize it. And it was just, it only looked one way and cool mm. idea, but eh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 So, so maybe that is where your product can shine and say like, um, offering ourselves to future video, um, 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 uh, video portals or something, you know, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. Cause there will come a time when, when YouTube will collapse into a pile of dust, it's it's inevitable because um, that's the way the internet works, you know. And and having the ability to to you know already have a good a a good database of all the stuff and, and a place to search this stuff that's not just that's not just that, you know, is is important. And you were you right. were going to say something. Oh, no, just no. that. Um, oh, yes. No, I was going to say, I, from my experience and the research that I've done, uh, because obviously doing writing all that code, like I was talking about, to find out what used to be uh, in YouTube but isn't any longer. Mm -hmm. What I noticed was, um, I feel very strongly about this point. Is I think in the earlier days of YouTube, when Google uh, bought them, and then slightly after that, it was pretty much besides pornography, like anything goes. Because I think that they were in a place where they wanted to build their user base as massively and as quickly as possible. Right. And I think that they knew, and again, I'm, this is just an opinion, they knew kind of all the way along that at certain point, a certain point they were going to have to cut back and basically change things because advertisers aren't going to put up with that. And they're not going to want to be associated with certain things. And when it comes to the stockholders and, you know, the profit of the company and the advertisers are holding the purse strings, like most if not entirely, I would think. And mm -hmm. so you're kind of at the mercy of the advertisers at that point. So they build things up. We're not making money, but we're getting this huge user base over all these years. Sure enough, they did. And then they start turning on the fire hose, the, the advertisers, <laughs> yeah. and then they have to start cleaning house. And I really mm -hmm. think that's what happened. And now that they're doing that, you know, kind of, it's like the frog in the boiling water kind of thing you know maybe right. they won't notice if we just <laughs> but now i think it's at a critical mass where people are starting to get upset they're getting pissed off they're leaving you mm -hmm. know uh, all that kind of stuff like with joe rogan the famous podcaster they said you can't interview certain people and so he left kind of thing that kind of yeah. stuff i right. think i think really what's going to happen with them is they're going to basically really really limit and define their market share and it's going to cut them back but they're still going to make a ton of money so I think it's really adjusting what their their model is, and hopefully not getting in trouble with, you know, government agencies and and things like that, and lawsuits in the process. And I think that they'll eventually settle at some point. And I think that some of these other providers will rise up to provide for that market that they're no longer, or that they're excluding, essentially. Right. Which I right. To. I'm I'm hoping that's what happens, kind of thing. So I think they'll still have their place, and it'll still be like squeaky clean with like they want, but. The people that you know leave for whatever reason will either develop new platforms or go to them and that kind of thing, and that's what I'm hoping for. But in the wake of that, I'm glad that we're doing what we're doing to at least give people the options and the visibility of all the stuff that's out there that they 
don't even know about kind of thing. So, right. And then there is this other kind of internet users like Alex Jones who got blocked <laughs> from all places, all places. Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Google, Apple, <laughs> all at once. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the special well, kind of. He's a, yeah. He's actually gone on. He's on Minds and he's on. Uh, well, they actually they, they have their own video platform called Band.Video, and then of course they are on. Um, can't remember the other platform. They're on BitChute, definitely. On mm -hmm. Minds, on Brighteon. So they've they've definitely found a place to go. But the thing is, is their their audience isn't sig significant as significant as it was all, the, all those other platforms. Right. Kind of thing, but you know. Like I said, people will find their place to go and yeah, that kind of thing. And that guy's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 he is. Well, you know, sometimes it's like, oh gosh, no, can't can't believe it. You know, can't believe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I, I was about to say something, but I totally forgot what it <laughs> what it was. Um, Alex Jones just flushed it right out of your head. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, just just a topic because you know, um, it feels like in the U.S., um, U.S.A. there is um, a lot of um, controversial people, um, including your own president, going <laughs> right now. And, and right. I just, Here I just go. wonder, I just wonder, you as a search engine, how you approach that? I mean. In a way, you also have to um, you also have to be careful to not be well misused by you know the wrong powers. Yeah, I don't. As far as uh, I, I I have not been able to think of any kind of use case that that would that that would happen. I'm not saying that it can't, and it you know I'm certainly hope, hoping that it won't. But I I because we're at this level, this a bit like second tier so to speak the first tier would be twitter all right mm -hmm. they're the ones responsible for make, making sure that the content there is not uh you know containing personally identify identify information or doxing or any of that kind of stuff they're responsible for that first mm -hmm. and foremost so we're a, la a layer below that so we believe that these platforms have done their due diligence to make sure that that stuff doesn't exist so by the time it gets to us we're good right i mean that's that's what i think anyways i mean it's, i'm not saying it's not possible but because obviously, you know, other countries might have different standards and different rules for those types of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always the risk. If you right. say you try to index all kind of video platforms, you mm -hmm. don't you don't know what you are deal what you are dealing with at the beginning. Yeah, anyway. I mean, we they yeah they are like uh, audited by hand. You know, so mm -hmm. me and a couple other people actually go through. We do searches. We look to see what's there. We look to make sure that there's not like you know, torture porn or whatever, you just ridiculous or maybe even illegal things. I would hope not illegal. We've never seen anything like that, but you know what I mean? Things yeah. that we would yeah. not want. And if we do find that, we'll basically dismiss the platform kind of thing. Or if they don't have enough videos or they're too old or, you know, there's, there's criteria involved there. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah like actually, I, so. actually, I, I actually, I remember, I remember my point now that I forgot earlier. And uh, you said, you said that um, YouTube is, started uh, to be disliked by a lot because they are sorting out content um, um, versus um, not being friendly to advertisements, advertisers. And actually, uh, we had the same with, with, uh, with our Reporters Without Borders interview. 
within within seconds we were flagged as not advertisement friendly. You know, so um, and 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 then and then they then you have to make a manual appeal for somebody to go over it. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. and and of course there, that never happens, or it's a it's a convoluted process to get it done. A lot of people, uh, or or you know the copyright claims too. We haven't. I don't think we've been hit by that. But um, a couple of times uh, before YouTube had this agreement mm-hmm. with. With um, with German um, rights holders here okay. for the music industry, yeah. but that was basically a German problem, okay. not internationally. Yeah, no, there's a big problem with people that that essentially, if you're if you're creating ad revenue on YouTube, anybody can file a copyright claim against you, and I believe that while that claim is being investigated, the ad revenue goes to them. Mm. Oh, until man. until they sort it out and then you know it goes back to you or whatever but it's you know there's a lot of people that you know really popular videos get this a lot because people you know these these copyright kind of squatters they don't even own the copyright they're just they're just filing a claim because mm-hmm. it's you know and I don't know if YouTube they may have fixed that by now that might not be a thing anymore but it was for a while and it's just I, I know of a few people that that had you know, highly watched videos and were just getting smacked constantly by, by copyright violation notices when it was stuff that they had made themselves and there was nothing on there that was that was even right. remotely, you know, could be belong to anybody else. Yeah, uh, to that point, um, I, my, I have an account on YouTube kind of thing mm-hmm. and I want to say six months ago, um, all of a sudden I got this email that says your account has been disabled. Uh, and it oh. wasn't my Gmail or anything like that. It was just only my YouTube. I went to log in and it was like, you um, have been disabled. And it gave this huge list of possibilities of what it could be. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea which one this could possibly. I, I have like three videos that's right. it, on YouTube and this, and it doesn't match any of these. There's no violent content. There's no, just all this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I filed uh, an appeal and they wrote back and they said within a couple hours, like denied. And then I did it like a couple of days later and they wrote back denied, but they didn't tell me why. And so I reached out to a friend of mine um, who used to work for YouTube kind of thing. And I think it was in San Jose or Palo Alto or something. But I said, dude, man, this is really weird and it's freaking me out. It's like I'm like, I I don't really use this channel, but it's really concerning to me that this has happened. And I'm not being told the reason why. And I, you know, apply basically like asking still get told denied without any reason again. And he said to me, um, oh, well, there's there's all these people that like are on these recourse, basically, channels that basically can make decisions based on whether they feel like it or not, and the rules are really loose. And mm-hmm. he's like, just wait a couple of weeks and do it again. And, you know, if you do it enough times, it'll, they'll go ahead and give it back to you. And I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> because, like... <laughs> They should be consistent with their terms. They should be consistent with their policies. They should be consistent with their communication, just mm-hmm. all this stuff. So sure enough, I did it a, f- a few weeks later, and it got denied again. And I was like, okay, I give up. And probably like three months went by, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try again for the hell of it. I don't know. And they wrote me back, and they were like, oh, we're sorry. This was a mistake, and they turned it back on. <laughs> but I had to wait three months 
Yeah. And it wasn't like I, there was no monetization going on. There was nothing like that at all. This was just me being curious about like, why am I being treated like this? Mm-hmm. So I can imagine if it was something that was part of your livelihood and that's how you made, you know, your living and right, that'd right. be extremely upsetting not to be able to have any recourse or direct communication with the company that's controlling all that. It just doesn't seem fair. Like, you know, I mean, if you do something wrong and it's against the terms, the company should be able to say, here are the terms. This is what you did. This is why we're cutting right. you off. End of story. Right. If you want to debate that point, then, you know, mm-hmm. but really, I think that's what people are mostly getting upset about is the way that they're treating, you know, the, the users and the customer service and the lack of transparency and all those kinds of things. That's what people yeah. are pissed off about. Yeah. Yeah, we had the same problem when, when Google Plus was still around. Oh, I was promoting a review video um, one of our editors did, and I posted it on too many, too many Google, Google groups. So the automatically um, spam detector kicked in and disabled our account. And then I reappealed <laughs> like 10 times, denied. And then I let AJ do it. Mm-hmm. He tried it one time and it was like, ex- accepted. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you go. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very strange. Just yeah. because I'm German, uh, Jay is American or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's 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 totally weird. Yeah. Well, let's try it's, not to talk about Google because right now we're running. We seem to be running a contest for how many times we can say Google in a podcast about a <laughs> right, competitor right, to Google. Right. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Talk <laughs> about search engines, you know. Um. So uh, naturally. Um. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We we will not put a link to Google in the podcast description. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, the the problem here is the problem here is that many people think that this is actually the internet. Yeah, um, yes, they do. I, oh my God, they do. Yes, no, that's and that's that's the thing. People, you know, you give them a website and they and they automatically search it. And yeah. they don't even look. They don't even just enter it in the search bar. They they enter it in. They they go to Google and they enter it. And it's like, right, exactly. no, don't do that. And this is how you go to phishing sites and lose your passwords. Mm-hmm. If not clicking in an email on it, you are clicking on a wrong advertisement link in in mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, and um, and if you if you could make your search engine like the number one stop for video searching. That would be um, um, may- maybe a good good idea, but of course that's um, maybe a bit far fetched. I mean, this will not happen within probably half a year or something. Well, but well, there, I think okay. I think what we've started to think about is that that whole thing in a different way because in interviewing people initially, they all told me like I don't use Google Video Search, I just go straight to YouTube, and I think that's what Google mm-hmm. wanted, right? So right. if people in the last decade or so have had this mindset of like, I'm not going to go to a search engine. I'm just going to go straight to YouTube. I'm already out of that picture because I am a search engine, which means the only thing that I can do at this point is to try to appeal to the audience that would best appreciate what it is that I'm doing. Not as a search engine necessarily, but for the data that I have, if that makes sense. Because if Google has already translated or transitioned all those users from going to a search engine to going directly to their product, I've already lost. It's, I'm not even a part of that equation at this point because they've already got people in the front door. I can't. There's no way I can take them away from that. What I have to do is appeal to the people who are not wanting to use, you know, YouTube to find videos or um, that are looking for something that doesn't exist there or an alternative or that kind of thing. 
Um, but the idea, I think, of the cons end consumer product just wanting a search engine is kind of dated at this point. I don't mean to sound like an old man or something. <laughs> but like, you know, but I'm starting to I'm starting to embrace that idea that you know where where people's general uh, online consciousness kind of thing is. It's not necessarily about like you were talking about in the early days with the portal stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And at that day and age and before that, it was Telnet and going to a terminal and that kind of thing. What people's like uh, uh, delivery mechanism and like ingestion mechanism of information is changing, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then once mobile came out, that came to like push notifications where now they're not even searching for stuff. The phone just tells them. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's another thing that we're starting to think about, um, because for the longest period, you know, my headset was like, build this product and then we'll be a search engine and then X, Y, Z. Well, I'm not sure that's the right way to go. The, the benefit to what we've done is we've built a really good product with over half a billion videos in every language from 70 platforms, which I think is great. But I think the most important thing for us right now is to talk about what's the right way of delivering that. And it may not right. be just a search box with a button. Right. Because it may be that people want an app that they're just going to put a bunch of keywords in and the phone will tell them when it finds what they want, mm. no matter what day and time it is. That could be like a better delivery mechanism that's more closer to what people are uh, kind of used to at this point. Right. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yes, that's kind of where my head's at. Yeah. It's almost like when the portal came out and the portal was getting really big with the Yahoo stuff and everything, mm -hmm. that portal idea of somebody saying, yeah, I'm going to make this, you know, great. A resource but it's only going to be av available in terminal like it'd be like you're missing the point that's not right. how people want things right now it may be great that you've done this but like people aren't necessarily going to care because it's in terminal people are all about portals now mm -hmm. and that's kind of where i'm you know milling that around i'm not saying it's a for sure but i think it's got a certain amount of merit and i think i want to start talking to a lot of different types of people about that idea is like yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you see, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about because it could be. I don't want the the product to necessarily fail just because we're stuck on one particular delivery method. Yeah, it may be that something else is better. So, and that's and that's a great business plan too because it's not necessarily that you're you're taking on a lot of when a lot of search engines come out they're like we're taking on the big ones we're going to try to become the the biggest thing around whereas you're looking at it more like we're we can coexist with this we've got our own our own plan and and our own business model that doesn't really necessarily involve taking down the big guys. Right. Yeah, because I think that's <laughs> suicidal for lack, lack of a better <laughs> term. It's just like it's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But and I think that there's something to be said to uh, us coming into this market and having like a very neutral position, being like we're a value add, we're just another option. It's mm -hmm. not us against them. It just seems to be like a, a lot more or a lot less defensive and a lot less. Uh, I, I don't know the right word for it, but yeah, it's there's it's, when I hear that in advertise in, in advertising, sometimes we're the next blah, blah, blah. We're, mm -hmm. we're going to be better than this. It's I'm, I'm immediately kind of I don't want to say turned off, but it just makes me feel like a little weird, like cringy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Right. Right. Um, and another example for. um going a different approach for example was opera back in the day when the opera, nintendo v was opera. released opera uh, yeah opera. okay i can't pronounce it correctly. Oh, oprah oprah is, a, is was a talk show host oh they used to give out cards to her audience was, well i think she retired is. didn't she ah, 
I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I totally I know got you, though, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not into American uh, talk shows. Um, anyway, anyway, they, they actually made a contract with Nintendo uh, to be the exclusive browser on the Nintendo Wii. Hmm. And did that actually happen? Did yeah, of they course, that? Yeah. yeah. They did, yeah, yeah. Did, so I don't is, even know. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so this is how they, they, how they approached a new a target group. Gamers on their TV uh, or casual gamers, better to say, who, who want to quickly browse something. And then the only browse available was op- um, Opera or how is it? Uh, opera. Oh, okay, yeah. Opera. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because hmm. yeah, this contract only lasts for a year or something, but it's better than nothing. Really. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's good exposure. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's the other thing we thought about too, as well. Is, you know, what if we were able to um, deliver this through a smart TV? Yeah. That kind of thing. Absolutely. Obviously, browsers on smart TVs are like no good, from from my experience. (laughs) They're kind of garbage. But developing some kind of TV app to let people search for, because I mean, there's a YouTube TV app. So. Right. Why couldn't there be, you know, TV app to let people do video searching? Or with just you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Huawei, who who everybody calls Huawei, but, uh, Huawei, uh, yeah, Huawei, um, um, they they actually don't use Google, uh, they don't use Android anymore on right. on new yeah. smartphones, so they mm-hmm. they can't use the Google or YouTube search right. engine or something. That's maybe another. But oh, that absolutely. Would be, that would be coming back to the China and governmental question, of course. It would. Yeah. And we did try to contact when uh, that whole kind of rift thing happened with Huawei and, and Google and all that stuff. And I, I think it may have even been when Trump started or the presidency here. I can't remember. It was a while ago. But we actually reached out to a couple of people um, in Huawei to try to find out, like, what's what are your plans here as far as like, what are you going to do now that like you can't offer the YouTube app kind of thing? And here's what we do. And maybe we could help provide something in regards to whatever oh. your native OS, you know, setup is. But unfortunately we weren't able to reach anybody. Um, I tried oh. to contact probably about four or five different people on LinkedIn. Um, didn't try to call anyone necessarily, but at least tried to do that through LinkedIn. So who knows, maybe someday they'll, you know, get back to us or something, but I'm on the same page. It's totally possible. Oh. Yeah. Non-conventional uh, partnerships and that kind of thing. Another thing we thought about too, is if there's a lot of sites out, out there for uh, downloading, videos, you know, to download a video off of Facebook or Twitter or whatever kind of thing, and they have an engaged user base that's interested in videos and downloading them, why not give them a way to search for those videos? Right. Kind of, you know, like an easy tie-in. So, yeah, definitely on, on board for, and always trying to think of new, maybe unconventional, you know, unobvious uh, things to do that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> switch, switch search engine for the Nintendo Switch. Hmm. But 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 they have YouTube. They have a YouTube app already. Well. <laughs> um yeah, it's interesting that you thought about this already. Okay. Okay. Of course, of course you did. I guess that was one of your yeah. first thoughts looking it's for kind of his um, job. <laughs> no, but you never know. Sometimes, you know, just the obvious escapes you kind of thing. I mean, that that's a really good idea about the browser situation with the video gaming platform too as well. I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that. I think that was smart of opera to try to do that yeah yeah 
Um, and and sometimes sometimes you have like um, search engine results that are totally horrible. For example, um, there is this this platform uh, GOG, Good Old Games, mm-hmm. and um, they have this app um, GOG Galaxy. And and if you go to the store, you can see screenshots and videos of the game you are about to buy, right? And and they have some algorithm to look for a video of the game in YouTube, and oh. it's totally wrong most of the time. <laughs> so it's pro- it's very often it's from the wrong game, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's because, probably using the API or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know the name is the name is similar, or there was a different version of the game, you know, or it was a successor or whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that is also that is also um, probably a, a place where where they could use a better video result. Possibly, yeah. Those are really tricky. Yeah, mm-hmm. depending on on how general the the name of the game is, kind of thing. Um, like uh have you heard of that game uh, from play dead called in, uh, inside oh yes yes play, play dead studios i think they did limbo right, yeah right yeah. I, I have i have inside on my iphone actually yeah that, yeah, that game is incredible i love that game i'm not even a gamer i don't even really like modern games but i sat down with my wife and we several over several several days got through the entire thing it was so much fun kind of thing um <laughs> I guess what I, what I was saying is, in regards to that, um, the whole st- you reminded me of the Steam interface. So when you're in Steam, when you go to buy the game, they have a video there of some of the playthrough and that kind of thing. And I think you know that's maybe what they were trying to do, but right with an API <laughs> and the name being so incredibly general, like inside, mm-hmm. like how would you even match that to like yeah. a game? It could be that movie in uh, you know Inside Out. It could be I don't know inside my car right. I, I don't mm-hmm. know right <laughs> right yeah. right yeah so yeah. the key factor is having some people that go over what what the api does and yeah. confirm it manually but i guess the smaller the company the less likely it is to happen yeah if the library is incredibly large who's going to go through you know ten thousand titles kind yeah of thing? and is it even worth the amount of money that it would take to to do that you know, to pay mm-hmm. someone to do that, but you do the best yeah. you can sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Well, um, so from my side, I got it yeah. covered. So I where can know. people? Yeah, where can people go to find out about this? Where can they they find this online and and read more about it and such? Actually, I did want to add one thing. Oh yeah, I was, yeah. Sure. Because uh, you guys mentioned that Commodore sixty four, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to say one of my favorite games back in the day when I was a kid, I was probably like 12, uh, was this game called Impossible Mission. Yes. You remember oh, that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Loved that game and with the talking and stuff in it. It was so yeah. great. It was like stay way a while, better. Stay forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. loved that game. Um, I, I always wanted them to make that on the Atari and they never did. That was one of those games. It's kind of like, you know, there are certain games for certain platforms like the Apple II. There was a great game called like Swashbuckler. And then there was good, you know, adventure games, text Mm -hmm. adventure games that were only made for one platform. And it was really upsetting because, you know, you had uh, companies like Sierra Online that would make games for all like all the platforms or like Adventure International and stuff like that. But occasionally there was, 
you know, only ones that existed for one platform. And that was my favorite C64 game. Mm. <laughs> that was a great game. Interestingly, interestingly, I, I um, five years ago, I interviewed uh, Forrest Moser, who invented the speech synthesis. That for was the C64, actually, yeah. 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 Okay. In general, the whole. Oh, technology. in general. Yeah. Okay. And 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 um, he this this technique he invented was actually used in Mission Impossible and one year earlier in Ghostbusters, which oh. was also released on the Atari um, 800. So, mm -hmm. and um, Forrest Moser himself. He 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 spoke in this Ghostbusters, ha 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 ha, and he's right. me, you know. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and it's it's interesting because um, this guy was in his fifties, and when I interviewed him, he was eighty-eight. Oh wow! And, okay. And now nowadays he is ninety-two. Uh, just a little uh, side story from this impossible mission thing, because. Um, um, we always try to get the stories from all possible sides. So, mm -hmm. um, so um, this, this is also good because um, before we interviewed you, we had a while ago thearchive.org. So we yeah. can relate to other content yeah. we had before in a way. Yeah, absolutely. But search engine, that's a new thing that we didn't have before as oh. a topic, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so to your point, the uh, the website is pdvid. It's p e t e y v i d dot com. Think about the word pd, sh short for Peter, and then vid is short for video. pdvid dot com um, will take you there. And there is your standard search box. There's also a section that shows uh, the top keywords on the internet at this time, where you can search for the top topics, whether it's COVID-19 or President Trump or whatever kind of thing. It's international, the list there. And it also provides a, a top uh, video hashtag list as well. Okay. So we gather hashtags from all the major uh, you know, social media properties. So you can look at the top uh, video hashtags and click on the hashtag and it'll show all the videos from all the different places, whether it's Twitter or VK or you know all those kind of things. So we've tried to add some extra you know, features in there. And uh, then the other thing, too, as well, is when you get your search results, if it happens to have a hashtag in it, it's hyperlinked. So if you find a hashtag in, in a result, you can click on that hashtag, and it'll show you all the videos that are marked with that hashtag. Just kind okay. of fun, because then you can yeah. see other places, other videos, other authors that have used the same you know, hashtag to describe their videos kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just as something a little bit extra different than a regular search engine. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people will find this video also <laughs> in your in your site. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Over the search engine, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Absolutely. Um, we will put links to everything in the podcast description below and probably on the screen right there where people can right, right. look awesome. at So thanks a lot, Craig, for the yes. time. Thank you for sitting with us. This was awesome. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I learned a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely. So enjoy enjoy your day. Yes. You too. Yeah. Take care, guys. Bye -bye. Thank you. All right. Bye -bye. Have a good one.